All right, you're listening to the best barbecue show, the show where we talk, taste, and even try to cook the best barbecue in Texas, which is the best barbecue in the world. I'm at Style Switch with Lance Kirkpatrick. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for coming by today. Yeah, man. Uh, y'all are working hard. Today's your today's your closed, but it's definitely not a day off, huh? Right. It's um, it's a day to get the brisket started up for Tuesday and to just kind of get the restaurant back in shape for another week. All the chores that you put off over a busy weekend, you catch up on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any places that are open seven days a week. It's it's a it's a tough schedule that way. It would be. I think a restaurant needs to close down for a day just to kind of kind of rest and maintenance needs be addressed and things like that well i come from the northeast and half the restaurants there are only open like wednesday to saturday oh wow well that's a common you know thing in the barbecue industry i guess too with the you know more towards the weekend yeah so uh what are y'all cooking today you got some briskets on there i saw just briskets right now uh the beef ribs and pork butts will go on this evening as the other cook comes in to continue the 24-hour cooking once we get started on Monday uh, with a couple of pits lit in the morning with briskets, uh, two more will be lit later in the nights for the ribs and pork butt. And uh, by the time I get back at about 6 in the morning, uh, four of the pits will be cooking with, you know, all nine of the proteins on there. Nice. And so it looks like you all are cooking a ton of briskets. Uh, you know, are you, are you seeing more of a are you seeing more people come in at the end of the week, or you guys you guys sell at lunch and dinner? What, what's what's the schedule here? Well, both of those are true. Uh, we do see the business uptick, you know, towards the end of the week and the weekend, and we do serve lunch and dinner, and that's been something that we've done since uh, the beginning, and it was, um, you know, it was a business model that we um, we've followed all the way through, so that we can provide this craft style of barbecue for a dinner service as well as lunch, and um, you know, not sell out. Now, speaking of craft, Lance, I mean, you, you've got, you're, you're over a decade into the business now, aren't you? 17 years. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we talk about the barbecue family. We talk about uh, all the ways that, that barbecue becomes a life. I mean, sure. what's it like living the barbecue life? <laughs> well, you know, for this last year and a half or two, Yoni is the first time I've had more of a normalized schedule where I'm home in the evenings with my wife. Um, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice on friends and, and, um, and that, a lot of overnights, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just different schedule. You got to get used to it. You know, our cooking practices in this industry, you got to cook the stuff overnight or early in the morning. You know, it makes for a good service time because you're not having to cook right when it's ordered or whatever, but um, it's been a lot of changes over the last 17 years for sure, you know. Um, a lot more of the craft style barbecue and more attention to uh, to recipe and detail and a little further away maybe than tradition or trying to kind of saddle the two is what I see is what we've tried to do, tried to do. so uh, a lot of changes over the 17 years but that could be due to my own perspective so <laughs> well and you you started the old school way but you guys really bring you know you, you get to kind of bring your own style here not to 
make a pun off the name. <laughs> sure. But you also have a new place opening up in Dripping Springs called Switch, correct? That is correct. Um, yeah, so like in like a week, we're going to do a soft opening, and then hopefully soon after that, the grand opening. And you guys are going to be running barbecue. I mean, there's not going to be anyone for, what, 10, 15 miles that's really got anything of your caliber. Well, I think it's a great location for that regard, and just, you know, the community itself needs us out there, man. They don't have any dining options to, to you know, to coincide with the growth they've seen in that area. Yeah, and uh, for those of y'all who aren't in Texas, uh, the, you know, this is west of Austin, uh, and there's really not much out there. Uh, you know, there's a few grocery stores that popped up, but now there's about to be probably half a dozen restaurants just in that complex, right? Right, that's correct. And, you know, there are a few things out there that led us, you know, into interest in the area, too. Uh, there's a lot of wedding venues, uh, so there's a big need for, you know, you know uh, large-person catering events, we hope, and, and, you know, and things like that. So, How big of a... How big of catering, like what's the biggest catering you guys have done? Oh, here at Style Switch, we've done some big ones. Um, nothing more than four or 500 or anything crazy. Like <laughs> some of the guys at Southside Market, you know, they'll cater to thousands of people. We we haven't had the opportunity to do that, but, you know, it's... Um, I, I'd be pretty proud of four or 500. I've, <laughs> I've served about 40 to 50 at my house, and I mean, four or 500 sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah, it, it takes a different, you know, you know, it's a whole different department when you're talking catering and the the um, the demanded requirements for that. Is there is there a challenge to you know holding and keeping the meat right because you have to kind of you're serving it all probably at the the moment it's ready. Yes, it, it is. You know, holding your product in this industry is is paramount to to uh, you know it it's very important as much as the cooking is. We have to cook everything in advance. Um, so yeah, it has to go through a few more hands to get to a catered situation, so it might, um, you know, get dropped somewhere. But yeah, it's a little bit more difficult for that. Do you, when you do catering, do you try to bring the pits out there, or you just no. wrap them all up and move them? No, we haven't done that, but for maybe one special uh, event that a, a customer asked us to do, and probably wouldn't do that again, unless <laughs> encouraged otherwise. But uh, it's just not really necessary. They wanted it for the looks. I mean, the food's already cooked, you know, here, so. And uh, so you've got catering, you've got this new location, and uh, you also got Marco Oglesby, who is also an old school barbecue guy. He's worked at a bunch of big places. He has. We're, we feel fortunate to have brought him on the team. He'll be out at the Switch location. Well, with two other pitmasters that we acquired over the last seven years here, who have all brought, you know, great input to uh, our operation. And I think that's one thing that, you know, you saying earlier that we've gotten away from maybe all traditional and we're kind of do some of our own style things. And I think that led to some of the guys wanting to come maybe work for us and say, you know, I'd like to work for somebody that wants to branch out a little bit. And uh, Bill Dumas joined us almost four years ago, and um, he's been a great asset as well as Christopher McGee, who came aboard um, about two years ago. And, um, you know, our operations benefited from them, and we look forward to great things from Marco as well. Yeah, and I saw you've got one of Christopher McGee's uh, pits out there. Yeah, Look, him and Sonny. Monster. Yeah, they, they kind of teamed up on that. He, he had a, another fellow that had started welding on it, and then we met Sonny, and we passed it over to him to finish up for us. And... and um, Based on the 
performance of that pit, we went ahead and commissioned four more for the switch. So if you hadn't seen it, there's pictures online. It's a pretty incredible looking pit room. It's uh, got four Mobergs side by side. And then he also custom designed along with Christopher a uh, sausage uh, cooker in there. So. And is that a rotisserie or? No, it's not a rotisserie. It's, um, it's a cabinet smoker that has like L-frame lips or whatever graduated from, you know, on the sides. And then so the, 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 it's designed to hold either racks or sticks hanging sausage. Uh, the latter of which we'll, we'll try first is the hanging on the sticks. That was one of the intentions. And it's just got a series of, of uh, design elements like baffles and uh, dual chimneys and things like that that Christopher designed along with Sonny. Nice. Yeah. And it, is the fire directly underneath? Is it to the it's side? It's a little bit. It it looks like it is because the firebox looks like it's right under it, and it's 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 not fifty. You know, it's not directly under the middle of it, but it is under it pretty close. And it's um, I'm anxious to see how it's going to work. Yeah. Well, uh, I know the last time I was out, it snows. Some of the the people who work there, they threw a bunch of the sausages uh, kind of right next to the fire to crisp them up. So yeah, that, that that might be a cool option to have the fire not too far away. Well, you know, it was designed cl- it, it was designed for that, to cook them hanging like that. And the, the pop of that casing is, is pretty important in your cooking and for, for sausage. So it, oh, should, it should do that. It's probably cool because you can throw other stuff in there if you can put oh, shelves. Sure. It's nice to have the choice. You can. Any kind of, I, I think it's going to do a great job on, on, on a number of things. I mean, you could do like a, a chicken breast or a steak right there, kind of a grilled type thing. It's, it's, uh, we're going to be doing some really fun stuff on the brunch menu. Uh, we're going to be doing some cold smoking stuff that that might be a, a, an aid in, but but yeah, it's there's there's so many cool things on this menu. I can't wait to share this menu with everybody. Well, and and uh, you know, it's uh, we are we're a small operation, so unfortunately, we this is our first time out here. Um, but you know, I've come out here to eat a few times, and it's just it, it's cool what you guys are doing. And it's so great to see you kind of uh, spreading across Austin. Uh, are there other big expansions? You guys are probably going to take a break after this uh, this move to Dripping Springs. Yeah, no, no big expansions um, in the immediate future. We've got a little project that we're going to do down here at the Lamar location. Um, but no, you know, uh, we'll probably just end up growing this this business like we have this restaurant, you know, kind of step by step and putting everything back into it, putting uh, a lot of heart back into it and just continue to grow and add uh, add good pit masters and more customers. <laughs> and I have to say we're in a beautiful banquet hall that you all have. I didn't know this little secret back room. Uh, you know, this is nice because sometimes we end up doing these interviews out next to the hot smokers, but <laughs> right now we get some beautiful tables and some cool air conditioning. So I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, it's a really cool space. Uh, when we opened the, this location, we had the two end cap um, spaces at the strip center. And um, as our business grew and we needed more space for customers and adding the private event room was, was ideal, we first added a patio and that gave us another, you know, eight or ten picnic tables out there. And then uh, we were able to add this room about two years after we opened, I think. And we can fit about 60, 75, 80 people comfortably in here, you know, so it's a nice, nice addition to have. Yeah, and are you seeing, I mean, originally barbecue was a lunch thing. Originally barbecue was more of just something that 
you know, I, I don't want to say lowbrow because that's definitely not what it was, but you're, you're, are you seeing more people wanting to have dinners and banquets and things made with barbecue? Well, we are, and that was our plan. Uh, we, we saw the need for this craft. Well, I say we, I mean Shane Stiles had you know, this idea, and, and when he called me to do it, one of the first things we talked about was being able to offer our style of barbecue for dinner and not selling out you know, at two or three. And we, you know, all the options discussed on how to make that happen included you know, uh, more pits, longer cooking times, um, and so on, and that's what we've done to, to keep that. But sure, you know, um, the whole lunch thing and the selling out started in this industry back when the industry started, because a lot of these cookers back in the in, in the history of this in, uh, of this business were butchers, and the way this all would start would be if they needed another day or two of shelf life on a product that maybe didn't sell in the raw form over the butcher counter, they would smoke it or cook it. And then they would have at least another day or day and a half to sell that item. So if they only had, you know, four or five items they needed to cook, they would cook that. And then when it was sold out, they would, you know, have their butcher paper taped up, sold out of that item and, um, and so on. And then I think the whole sold out thing kind of continued with a lot of these cooks when they first started. It may be just him. You know, he may not have a second or a third cook, which was our case when we first started to continue a cooking process for a dinner service as well. But we found that it's, um, it's manageable. You know, we, we, start, we have a clipboard that has our cooked inventory on it and we count it at the end of our lunch shift and uh, we re-up the inventory of cooked items to meet our dinner needs. And uh, we can always cook more sausage, chicken, turkey, pork ribs. We just keep cooking. Uh, we take that shot with the one big number on brisket and beef ribs for the day before overnight cook. And if we see we're running low on that, then we'll even put on more ribs or chicken and stuff that we can to, to meet um, that dinner service. And so, you know, the, obviously the, those cook times are a challenge, but it sounds like you guys have got to have that down. I mean, you're, you're doing so much, you're doing so much cooking and it's been 17 years. You know, I think the last, was the last time I saw you with Just Pryles? I mean, you, you get to go around, you're, you get to be one of these pitmasters that goes to events, and, you know, there, there's, a, there's a certain amount of celebrity, there's a certain amount of, you know, there, there's, a, there's kind of a click of all, all these pitmasters, like, that's not how it started. Is it, is it kind of fun to be on Instagram, to be interacting with everyone, to kind of have this community that's a little more connected through the internet? Oh, I think it's great. You know, and you met Instagram and all of this, this connection and stuff, it's changed the industry. That's one of the things, you know, the, it, it wasn't like that in the beginning, uh, short answer. Um, of course, it, it, it's been great. It's been really cool. You know, shoot, it was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, when a Texas Monthly Top 50 came out and when I was working out at Louis Miller and, and uh, Bobby was still alive and, and he made a comment of man, I don't know how long this will this will last. You know, all this popularity of barbecue, and here we are, 15 years after that comment, and it's more popular than ever. And his efforts are greatly, you know, uh, due to due to a lot of that, I believe. So, and do you have a, a favorite Instagram you follow? Do you do you is most of your Instagram just other pitmasters, or what? What are you looking at when you're scrolling? Yeah, just like you, you know, just friends in the industry. 
and see what they're up to. One of my favorite things is is to follow the influence of the pitmasters that I've had personally uh, work for me or have contact with me uh, internationally. That's just been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I have a friend named Lino Brandy that uh, cooked for me for about a year and a half, and he's now in Berlin, Germany, in the uh, wedding district with a Texas-style barbecue. Really? In, that, in that Germany? That's correct. You and know, what does he cook over there? He cooks brisket, beef ribs, house-made sausage. Uh, he's got a pit that looks a lot like the, the close that we have. And, um, you know, he's making making some waves in the local scene. One of the Berlin food writers did a story on him in the last six months. It's it's pretty cool. Y'all can all go follow him at Lino's, L-I-N-O. And then uh, there's a couple of fellas down in Mexico City that have come up and cooked with us that... Um, I think it's uh, oh Pinche Gringo's Barbecue. They now nice. have a second location. They cooked a shift or two with us. He's a neat guy. Robert's a guitar player, and his first trip to Austin was for South by Southwest to play a music gig, and he got into barbecue while he was here. And uh, like everybody, they've got a story about what Texas barbecue means to them. And, uh, you know, I've made friends over the few years, for a lot of friends from Australia. I like to communicate with those folks. They love the beef over there. They love it. You know, barbecue's just really taken off over there. You know, this American-style barbecue, and uh, Texas in particular. And I think Texans and Australians share some, you know, similar personality traits. And We definitely have the most uh, poisonous things and dangerous <laughs> animals in our areas. Sure, sure. And then uh, a friend from Finland that I got to meet this last year named JJ and... You know, just it's just really cool to see the the um, the influence that Texas barbecue has across the across the world. And uh, I've heard people call it the golden age of barbecue or the barbecue boom. Mm -hmm. uh, what it looks like? Uh, are you seeing these guys? Like, is it hard to get a brisket in Berlin or Mexico City or Finland? Is it hard to get wood? Or have you found out what these guys are using out there? Yeah, through talking with them, you know, like. Even the guys in Australia, they've got it down now. Uh, but in the first part, you know, cattle were even butchered differently. You know, they couldn't get a brisket cut because the domestic uh, uh, butchers there were, were, were not used to that, doing that cut. You know, it wasn't something that they did. But they've got people doing it for them now. And, you know, I think the wood, re wood sourcing to get a, a true oak has been difficult for people internationally. They just kind of have to use what they've got. I forget the names of some of the stuff that they've got in Australia. But, um, but you know, just like it is here in Texas and, and, and the U.S., it's all regional of what type of wood, you know. Um, so I think, I think that they're learning internationally how to, how to cut the stuff the way they want it. Yeah, I've seen actually, uh, it was a, a butcher somewhere, I think in Ireland, I was watching a video and it was, uh, they, they said like making brisket and he at one point trimmed a piece off and like rolled it up and they were doing some th stuff that I thought was bonkers because I guess that's how they do it there. Mm -hmm. uh, have you thought about, I mean, you, you guys have kind of, you have the opportunity now, you have different places, it sounds like you're playing with the menus. What, what are you guys experimenting with? Are you trying anything new or different cuts? Or Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're always trying something new. Heck, we've changed the way we cook our brisket, you know, five or six times in the last several years. I mean, we have trying something, you know, but um, we the, the new menu at the Switch is going to have a focus on Cajun cuisine. 
And um, so um, our partner and chef in this project, Chef Todd Duplachon of Lenoir here in Austin. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an ace. And then his, um, his chef that is, he's our chef de cuisine at The Switch is Barkley Stratton, who's also got some, uh, a great resume behind him. So you got some French guys cooking your yeah. Texas barbecue too. Well, that's true. And Duplachon is from... Uh, from Louisiana has has roots in the area and you know what's cool about it Yoni is that once you start looking into these Cajun recipes and the whole culture of Cajun food it's much like barbecue uh, there's very regional aspects to each thing um, you know it's a it, it's been a really neat project to be a part of so you're saying regionally as in like different parts of Louisiana or the south or what yeah yeah so like even different parts of Louisiana like for one example uh, Barkley helped me with a gumbo dish that we did for the Austin Food and Wine Festival this year. We did a uh, smoked brisket and spicy sausage gumbo, and um, it, it was fantastic. And we served that over potato salad, which come to find out is kind of a thing, either rice or potato salad. I went online, and there's, cons there's like, it's almost like the discussion groups on sauce or no sauce or dry <laughs> rub or wet rub was like rice or potato salad. So it was like, well, that was kind of cool that... We were looking for a way to marry these two concepts, and they were right there in front of us the whole time, you know, so. So is, the, is gumbo an actual regional dish, or the way you serve it? Or, like, if you were to cook gumbo, what's, what's kind of the secret to a good gumbo? Well, I think it has to, well, I'm learning. I, I, <laughs> I watched the gumbo expert uh, last month when we did it for this, but I think it, it's the roux and the, those Cajun flavors, that celery and onion, you know, and uh, some people prefer the darker or the lighter roux. And again, just like barbecue, I think there's different ways of doing it, and each person kind of has their own preferred method and preferred flavor that they're going for. And so you're making a roux that's like butter and and um, flour, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you're mixing in. I guess you're kind of making the gumbo. Is it? Is there stock? What's what else is in there? You know, my contribution on the, on these collaborations has been to just keep smoking the brisket and the sausage <laughs> like I've been doing, and uh, pass that over to the kitchen for the chef to whip it up the way he. I, I'd, I'd be answering you wrong if well, I tried to tell you how to make a proper gumbo. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just not something I've eaten a lot of food uh, that's Cajun style, but now I'm now I'm thinking, oh, I've got a bunch of barbecue in the fridge. Right. Should probably make some gumbo. Right, that's something I'd love to try, and uh, my lady would love that too. Uh, so you've got all these this Cajun influence. You've got uh, some new guys over there. You've got your soft opening coming up. Uh, it probably feels good to have all this stuff going on. It's almost probably a little overwhelming, right? You know, so much of it has been in the making and just kind of happened as the progression has all kind of come along. The, the new restaurant opening, well. You know, I've had, a, a, honestly, a limited role in a lot of that. You know, Shane and, and uh, our GM, Tony Pollock, um, they, they've really just been, been the guys behind all of that, the driving force. And a lot of the, a lot of the menu development has been, uh, you know, on Todd's end, just knowing that, and, and with Christopher and uh, Bill as well. Christopher's designing some sausage recipes that are just going to, gonna kill everybody <laughs> he's like the sausage slayer but uh but yeah my part really is is just um keep making sure that the lamar location doesn't miss a step and uh, my involvement at the switch will be more of maybe you know uh, an ownership capacity and a, 
I'm, 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 I think my title is founding pitmaster. I don't Amazing. know if that's what we're going to go with. Or not. And so, you know, as a founding pitmaster, you also have a ton of history. I see pictures from multiple iconic barbecue joints up in your banquet hall here. Uh, is, right. it, is it cool to be a part of the history? Do you think back a lot on just all the different people you've learned from and the ways you've learned to cook? Oh, absolutely. I'm a nostalgic kind of corny guy as it is, and uh, I think about it every fire I light, you know. Um, every time I'm back here, I think barbecue kind of lends itself to that kind of romantic, you know, view of things and calling it a craft style or, or, of, uh, of barbecue and that it's a craft that we have. It's been taught man to man to man to man, you know. Uh, of course, there's been books written about it, but, and, you know, to have, to have worked side by side with Bobby... Uh, Miller for, you know, almost eight years or whatever it was, um, and learned from him. It was great. And for him to give me the opportunity in the industry that he did, of course, I probably didn't recognize it at the time. Um, and he wasn't always the easiest, you know, guy to, to work for, but but I'm very, you know, grateful for everything and nostalgic about it. These pictures that you're referring to in the banquet room are all um, commissioned by, or they're, uh, uh, made from by our friend Wyatt McSpadden. Um, he's a neighbor of ours over here behind us, and he'll frequently just show up on a Saturday afternoon with a beer in his hand back by the pit. So Wyatt's a pretty cool dude. We've got some work of his out at the new place too. There, there's a certain, not only nostalgia, but there's a, a iconicness. I mean, even, even y'all's place, like you're not just walking into uh, a place and eating some barbecue. You know, you're walking into some history. You're walking into a place where, you know, years and years, you know, who, who knows how long we can, we can stretch it back to these, like you said, butchers who were, they, they weren't trying to make something that would be in the newspaper. They weren't trying to be world-renowned. They were just trying to keep their meat an extra day. No, that, that's a great point, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, that's, that was the, such the unique thing about Louis Miller Barbecue back in the day, and the same could be said for Smith's or Kreitz or city market or any of these little places that came from the butcher shops these guys they had their name on a building you know hip and on a on a on a product and that's one thing that i learned from bobby more you know as much as for cooking barbecue was was putting your name on something and and knowing what that stood for and what that meant and um you know no they weren't looking for any kind of world renowned or anything like that but you know it started to happen it started to happen for Bobby, and then, shoot, um, he got a James Beard Award, and he was just blown away that the effect that it did have on, you know, the rest of the industry, and um, so, yeah, I don't think they were trying to intend on any of that. Like you said, they were just doing, doing their work, you know. It's a blue-collar thing, and it was just, it was just what they did. Well, and, and no matter who tries to come in and... and try to be the newest or the most modern or you know we've got guys on the west coast and the east coast uh we've got leroy and lewis in town doing all kinds of crazy stuff and if you've been over there you've seen you know sure. they're really creative with the pit that he made himself right and uh i always like to tease him a little bit about that pit because it's so fun looking yeah uh but you know it's still hard work you can't you can't shorten the the time barbecue takes you can't you know you go to these competitions and some of these guys are cooking brisket hot and fast but you know you still can't take the hard work out of barbecue and anyone who tries to obviously has a substandard product right 
there's a deficit in finding people to work. I'm sure you guys have some challenges here as well. Uh, you know, I talked to lots of these pitmasters, and it's hard to find people that want to work hard, especially young people. So, uh, you know, what what brought you 17 years ago to say I want to I want to work really hard, and I want to learn this. When I saw the effect that this style of cooking and the whole industry and the, 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 the barbecue had on the customers, it was such an appeal to me um, that I stuck with it. Um, I, ha I, I soon gained a lot of respect for Mr. Miller, and um, he gave me a position there, and you know, my dad gave me a work ethic, and um, Bobby was a hard-working man. I'd never seen anybody work the way he did. And um, he did a lot of that himself for a lot of years. And he just kind of passed that on to me that I just thought that was the only way to do this. <laughs> and then I started hiring some guys down here and spreading out the work a little bit. And, and um, you know, we've been real fortunate to, to find help when we needed it, you know. We're a little scraped right now because we just split forces. Hell, I had six pitmasters in here for <laughs> for a couple of months getting uh, Marco and Chris and Bill all kind of ready to go over for the new place. And I've trained a new guy named Spencer um, Allen, who's got a huge potential. He uh, graduated from uh, culinary school recently and worked for us during his internship or whatever while he was going to school. I hope he sticks with it. If he does, he's going to be real good. Well, and you guys are smart to go out to a place where there's kind of a void of barbecue because, I mean, even in Austin, it feels like there's a new barbecue place every week. Right. Uh, people are people are running to make this food, and it's amazing because everyone I talk to still sells a ton of barbecue. It's not like so people are almost taking uh, business away from others. It's everyone's cooking as much barbecue as they can and still selling out. Yeah, I see it happening. You know, I think it's great. I've made the statement before that, um, you know, there's a butt for every seat. There's enough room. There's enough room for us all to do this. And, you know, somebody else the other day, I can't remember, I can't remember who, exactly who it was that I was talking to, but was saying that Austin's kind of becoming like some of those larger cities where each neighborhood kind of has its own barbecue, its own Thai, its own Mexican, its own Chinese, you know, its own little things. So, yeah, and they're a void of it out there in uh, Dripping Springs. Um, and we do look forward to meeting that. So. Yeah, well, and I mean, even up here, there, there's not quite as many barbecue spots up here on North Lamar as there are uh, kind of centrally on the east side. Yeah, that was kind of one thing we looked at as an advantage of this location. We looked for several months in 2011 when Shane uh, called me to do the project. And, um, yeah, we... Th we like the location. We looked over on the, the south and the east and all that at some different spots, but I'm glad we're up here now. I think the city's growing this way. Yeah, I mean, the city's growing in every direction, and uh, it's crazy to watch the, the barbecue world kind of grow with it. Uh, I've been here for almost a decade, and it's, it's crazy how much barbecue there is. And as a show, we could probably spend 90% of our time just covering Austin barbecue. Uh, we, we travel around, we go to Memphis, we go to other things. Do you have uh, maybe another region or another place outside of Austin that you've had barbecue that you've enjoyed? Yeah, we made a Houston trip um, a couple of weeks ago. I saw you up there at the Houston Barbecue Festival. That's where we were. That's and, the last place I saw you. And um, 
I really I enjoyed the guys at Tejas, and I think Russell over at Regals is doing a great job, um, as well as Corkscrew. You know, Willow's doing a good job. He had some good stuff at the festival. There was a lot of a lot of good food going on in Houston. So, did you have a favorite? Uh, you know, any favorites or anything new and different that you tried at, at Houston Barbecue? Um, I think the combination of chocolate and barbecue at Tejas is just fantastic. <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, those are two of my favorite things anyway. Um, and that mole sauce was pretty legit. The green sauce they're doing is good, too. Um, and aside from just being good people, it, I like their operation a lot. The vibe was really cool, man. You know, that old house kind of setup they've got. Um, you know, and um, Will's doing a great job at Corkscrew. Um Russell and them just have a really cool thing going too. I, I I like spending time around Russell and he's a lot of fun. He's a real goof. Yeah, like him that and guy. Misty both. They're just really good people. Like I said, it's just a really cool scene they've got going up there. For years, people were saying there's no good barbecue in Houston, and now you you got it everywhere up there. Uh, I had uh, Joey Victorian come over last week and have some barbecue yeah, we here at Joey. Style Switch, and he's a neat guy doing a good thing. He had one of my favorite bites at the festival with that tri-tip chimichurri thing that he did. That chimichurri that he's making is really unique, kind of spicier. and It's really, uh, I think that's the first thing he usually runs out of. Yeah, yeah. He, it, you know, we've cooked it here before uh, for specials and stuff. So, it, you know, it's fun to cook. It's the California brisket. That's exactly, you said it before I could. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, you know, we've had a bunch of, guys from California who've come here and, uh, you know, they're cooking everything from brisket to uh, all kinds of ribs and, and they're really taking on that Texas style. Uh, do you think there's, I mean, do you think it's going to keep expanding? Do you see a lot of these West Coast guys and all this? Uh, do, you see, do you see barbecue really, you know, traveling coast to coast? Yeah, I think we're seeing it. You know, I think we are. And I think each region will put their own touches on it, you know. Like if you go out to Pecos to, to our friend uh, at Podi's, Israel Campos has a, you know, you're going to see the, the, that, that region's influence, you know, um, with his pasole and stuff like that. I think that he's doing, if I remember his menu uh, right. So I think even if you go out of the state and you go coast to coast, you know, look at what uh, New York's got a barbecue scene, you know, with Derny and with uh, Hill Country and the guys up there. Um, in California, you don't hear so much, maybe, about the barbecue. Um, you know, on the West Coast, uh, I've got a friend named Jeff that's got Jeff's Texas-style barbecue outside of Seattle. Wow. Um, you know, it's, there's 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 places to find it I think if you search but as far as being like real prevalent I don't know I don't know if that's what you want barbecue to be really I mean you know in the you know I don't know when I when I first moved here barbecue was kind of that you know there were places in town but it was kind of a destination you had to drive out to try different things you had to get to the small town and that was one of the things that Shane's you know like mission statement thing was we're gonna bring that small town barbecue feel you know into the city and um you know, that attention to the craft of it and everything. And we wanted to bring that atmosphere and feel as well. So. Well, and, and I, I've talked to a few pit masters that, you know, you, you mentioned Will uh, and, uh, you know, the guys over at Tejas, Scott and them. And they're doing something 
a little different because they're bringing that small town, but then they're also bringing kind of a next level of customer service. They're, they're wrapping up people's to go stuff. They're refilling their drinks without the person having to get up They're They're doing some stuff there that is really, uh, it makes you feel at home. It makes you feel welcomed and, uh, it's it's truly smart from a business standpoint to to treat your customers so well, uh, and I feel like that we're losing that in a lot of other types of restaurants. But when you come to the barbecue place, your family. Right, and it's very well said, Yoni, because that's I've I've observed the the very same thing, and I think that's what's cool about this barbecue industry, and in that you know it differs from the other restaurant styles in the industry because it's such a familial thing to people. They've already got their, you know, their arms around barbecue. They already have a relationship with this. It's, um, it's not something that's new to them. It always brings back a nostalgic homecoming kind of feeling. You know, a barbecue's more than a process of cooking food. It's a noun. It's an adjective. It's a verb. It's all of these things, and uh, it's something different to everyone. But the commonality it has is that it does bring everybody together, and it affords you that opportunity to give a next level type of service. So. Well, and. It's also something, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, my ladies says she's tired of barbecue, but if I bring it home, she still eats it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure your family's had their fair share of barbecue. Yeah, and I made the statement last week when I was up at the counter taking some home. I said, you know, 17 years, my wife still likes barbecue, so I'm, I'm still taking it home in the evenings for her. And do you think, uh, do you think it's just the flavor i mean what do you what do you think keeps people just eating barbecue some some people i'm sure come here daily we do have customers that come and you're like wow they come almost every day and we had them out in taylor too and you get to know people by their order and you know and the counter service kind of you get to have that interaction with folks in a way you know especially the daily guys and the weekly guys and um yeah, you know, there for a while, the whole uh, meat diet was popular, the Atkins diet and everything. And so we had a lot of regular customers that were doing it for that reason. Um, the other reason is just good, you know. It's, it's good food if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're a carnivore and enjoy eating meat. You, yeah. Well, and I think, uh, I think the, the move towards carnivore is coming back. Uh, you know, I think maybe some people who are really health conscious may, might want to know what type of meat or where it came from and things like that. But in general, you know, I know more people in Texas who w were vegetarian or vegan and became a meat eater than the opposite. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's diets or, or health or reports or whatever, but right. you know, I know that beef uh, was kind of a bad word for a long time and now it's becoming uh, the, the choice cut. I mean, there, I don't think there's any kind any cuts of beef right now that people don't want to buy. Well, if you've heard any of our episodes, you know uh, we call our fans the Meat Men, and you've probably seen a few of those hashtag Meat Man shirts. I have. Uh, and uh, so we ask everyone we speak with, you know, what's your message to the Meat Men? And the, uh, a Meat Man or a Meat Woman could be someone just at home cooking some chicken, uh, or they could be someone, you know, who's working the pits right now just having us on their speakers. I guess it would just be something like, you know, I would recognize a fellow meat man, you know, because we all kind of have the same, you know, reasons for doing what we do, I guess. Just keep doing it, you know, watch your fire, watch your meat. <laughs> Those were the words I heard when I was learning it over and over. Watch your fire and watch your meat and have fun doing it. Learn something along the way and, you know, I try to uh, 
get a little too poetic and romantic about it sometimes, but I've kind of equivalated the, my study of the Tao with cooking barbecue. Gentle is the way, is the way that I like to teach people to cook. Be kind of gentle with that fire, let it build slow. I don't know. That I've sounds got, great. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. I, I just kind of, I, I see, I'm, I'm trying to plan a book, Yoni, is what I'm trying to do. Cool. I want to write the Tao of barbecue. So I think there's so many similarities. I've been studying the Tao for about seven years now. And um, it's, there's a lot of uh, metaphors using nature and uh, just different ways of, of uh, going with the flow and not trying to push things too hard to suit your own agenda, but just kind of let the, let the pits run and let the barbecue cook at times, you know? and not trying to force the fire to force the temp, and not trying to force your cook by trying to move your meats around too much. Sometimes inaction is the best action to take, you know, things like that. There's lots of cool parallels. <laughs> well, Lance Kirkpatrick, uh, Taoist, uh, <laughs> will be, we'll be on the front lines. We'll be right there when, you, uh, when your book comes out. Cool. That sounds awesome. And uh, thanks again for taking the time with us. I know you're busy even on a Monday. Well, uh, thanks for coming by. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. This has been a production of Glenn Cliff Media, recorded live in Austin, Texas.